Are you there, God? It's us, Sid King and Becca Stevenson. Welcome to the Good Girls Gone Sad podcast. Our podcast is about the real experiences of people who, like us, were raised religious and are now grappling with what that means for us as adults. There's a trope in culture and entertainment of good girls go bad. The Disney star who twerks at the VMAs, the Bible study leader who lets loose in college, the preacher's kid who organizes a town dance against her dad's wishes. But we've never related to that. We've never really gone bad. And maybe nobody does. Maybe everybody's just doing their best. And that's why we started this podcast for all of the good girls out there, no matter your religion. So it's less call her daddy and more call her heavenly father. Yes. And we've found that talking about it makes us a little bit less sad. We're two girls who have gone sad and we started this podcast to unpack our religious drama together. And that's right. We said drama because as we all know, the best parts of religion are performative. We are so excited to welcome Sam King to the podcast. She's an animation director in Burbank, currently working on The Ghost and Molly McGee. And in her spare time, she knits and takes care of two very cute cats, which you might see in the background if you're watching this video. And um, I think this is 10 billion bees, Uh, but we're very excited for Sam King. Um, I also know her as the girl who made me pay 50-50 for video games and then never let me play them. That's right. She's my sister. (laughs) Um, If you can't tell because we have the two cutest names of any sister duo of all time. um, That's right. We're Sam and Sid King. And also it's only 10,000 bees, but in my head, it's 10 billion bees. (laughs) Um, I like to say I'm an aunt to 10,000 bees. So yes, welcome, Sam. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming. And yes, it is currently 10,000 and bees but they will expand to be about uh 50,000 so but are you purchasing more or no they're, they're gonna make more <laughs> I, so do you I, have I, the whole suit and everything you like yeah, suit yeah. up wow yeah for, for context I, I I beekeep in my backyard so I have a small hive full of full of bees and I just got them so they're gonna expand and we'll see I don't know about honey yet but for right now they're just building up comb building up building up the comb you know the comb the lingo do you get scared I feel scared of bees (laughs) no well so I took classes for like three years before I committed to having bees and so in that like we got the suit and they had us practice going out into the hives and like it's a scared terminology (laughs) (laughs) well and like so the first time you go out there you're like oh there is a lot of bees flying around and if they're like kind of not happy that day like sometimes the girlies aren't feeling great (laughs) and so they're a little aggro and um what bees do when they're mad and you're out there in your suit is they bump into it aggressively Mm -hmm. like they kind of just like run into you and go you know um but like once you do that once you're like oh okay like that's all it is and when I was installing my bees or putting my bees in uh we actually had a freak thing where a giant swarm of feral bees came in and swarmed the hive so I had to take care of that feral bees so I was standing in the middle of this like tornado of bees trying to it's a whole thing I was supposed to kill their queen it was all a whole regicide thing but anyway so my girls are fine (laughs) regicide um that is important and sticks the musical and beekeeping right that's amazing um also for context I was I was famous in my middle school class for being extremely terrified of bees. 
Like I, it was a good, well-known fact. I would flinch at butterflies just because they were also airborne. Got made fun of that. So okay, we did both cry at the the butterfly park on the Disney cruise, though. <laughs> yes, we we went into a, a butterfly. This is a hundred percent not what I'm supposed to be talking about. But <laughs> we uh, we went to I can't remember what island they had let us off on, um, but there was like a butterfly house there, mm-hmm. and I had heard that one of the caterpillars was. Poisonous. poisonous. Yeah. So I assumed that all the butterflies were poisonous because of that. And I was so scared that one was going to touch me and I was going to die. Well, didn't one didn't land one on dad, one landed on yeah. dad. And I thought that that was it. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm losing my dad today. Okay, <laughs> what a way to die though. I would love to die. By <laughs> a butterfly butterfly landing on you. Um, well, uh, yeah, I, we, we both had experiences where we would just like break out into tears and mom and dad would be like, what's wrong? And I'm like, you're going to die. Like, um, I fell asleep. This is definitely part of my good girl origin story was just like watching too much television and then things would be on that would scare me. Remember when we would watch that urban legend show on TLC yes. and, um, oh, oh the yes, I got it. <laughs> Once again, this is probably the Catholicism speaking, like <laughs> mortality was like, on my mind 100% of the time. So finishing that, that urban legend show, yeah. there was one where it was like, if you flash your lights at somebody. I, yes, if you flash your lights at someone <laughs> oh, in the dark bridge, they're yeah. gonna yeah, you they fall and shoot, shoot you. you. Yes, yes, of course, gang like, initiation. I, everyone knows about gang yes, initiation, right? <laughs> of course. And so- All of those in, Noblesville gangs no, yeah, that we had. In Noblesville, Indiana. Okay, we did um, have gangs, I will say that. <laughs> <laughs> so that happened and then I like, I, I I remember that I, now I understand the feeling is having a panic attack, but I, that was like my first panic attack and I like freaked out and mom was like, I'm not going to die. And I was like, bold of you to assume I watch television. I'm informed. <laughs> you know, I like, I got home and I was like, mom, you can't do that ever again. And she's like, no, it's a thing when people drive. So I'm glad. Yeah. That was a very shared experience in our home. Our, our mom being chill and cool and us being like really really anxious anxious and ramped up so I guess that's a great segue into um our first question for you which like Sam what is your good girl origin story what made you good um I mean the very short answer to that is uh, undiagnosed anxiety disorder but uh the long version of that is uh so I'm Sid have you given your story on on this podcast before yeah okay so it's Mm -hmm. Parts of it might be similar. Um, so as she said, Sid's older sister, first born. So I had four years where it was just me out there in the hard world alone. Um, hard world alone, getting photographed by our mother. And when I am born, there is a lot less photos. So let me just... Yeah, I thought you were saying that your four years were your golden years. I didn't think it was going to go in that direction. <laughs> my, my sister, I think, is like, yeah, the five years before you were born were amazing. So yeah, so growing up, my family always went to church and, you know, we had like children's Bibles and I, I always went to Catholic school. So I never went to like CDC or anything. Cause I was in, I like went to a Catholic school from kindergarten on. So I Catholic al- preschool, they do it. Catholic preschool. We did it. <laughs> Catholic preschool. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I was always surrounded by like, Catholicism and so it was kind of just like a known thing growing up um and as I was growing up I was like man like I'm not good at a lot of stuff but I can maybe I can be good at this I can be good at being Catholic and I um I kind of connected it to like oh if I'm a good Catholic then I'm a good person and so I I got 
super deep as I got older. Like I, I was definitely the most devout person in our house. I mm-hmm, think, mm-hmm. um, you know, like I, I think back to my, my, like, what do you call it? When you're in second grade, first communion, first communion. First communion. And like that, I was just like, it's funny because I didn't think of that as like, oh, I'm having this like grand experience. I was just like, mm, we get to have wine. Mm, it's kind of gross. Yeah. Um, because you're seven and I don't think like they want this to be like one of the biggest moments of your life. And right. you're like, I cannot wait to go home and play Pokemon. Like this is not what I want to do. <laughs> um, so with that, I want to know if you remember, so for in Catholicism, you have to go to confession before you have your first communion. Mm-hmm. So you were confessing sins as a seven-year-old, which is literally like, yeah, you don't listen to your parents or like, like you, you don't even comprehend sin. Like you have a concept of right and wrong, but isn't the age of reasoning like eight and well, it's supposed to be in, conf- like reconciling your life with God at seven? Yeah. So in Catholicism, the age of reason is seven. And yeah, no, because I remember like, Again, thinking thinking of it as like a point system, and or like having to like mm-hmm. impress the priest by so you're always doing that math of like because again when you're seven you don't have quote unquote the big sins you know like right. I didn't know I was gay yet like I hadn't started doing anything sexual I didn't even like I like I said I was playing Pokemon and drawing Shadow the Hedgehog like that's that's all I was doing and um, so I would be in confession and be like okay let me figure out okay well I you know I was mean to my sister so I'll say that and like my mom told me to wash the dishes and I didn't do it right away so I'll say that and that's not too bad you know and but it was that feeling of like you had to force yourself to come up with ways that you had failed I I talk about this all the time where it's like yeah you like it is like math where you'd be like I have to say something impressive enough so the priest believe the priest like not God, like to me, it was make sure the priest thinks I'm taking this seriously because I am. And, um, so in Catholicism, there's like, they'll give you a sheet sometimes that's called the examination of conscience. And, um, it has like all of the commandments and like typical ways you have probably broken them throughout the week, like in a big way or a small way and throughout the week, because I mean, for a point, well, cause you wanted the venial sins. You didn't want the grave sins. Right. You didn't want a grave sin. Um, is there a ranking? Yes, because yes. there's sins wow. that are, is it menial or? No, it's venial. Venial, yeah. which is very strange. But it is. So a venial sin is like uh, considered like a standard sin, like a regular sin. And a, mm-hmm. a grave sin is a large sin. You're ordering large sin this week. Mm-hmm. And um, so a grave sin is considered something that can separate you from God and it could be permanent. So it's, be, you know, being gay or, you know um killing someone which of course those are the same thing right same um, mm-hmm. and, or you know like marital sex yeah it was either sex or murder also, also it's called a mortal sin oh sorry mortal sin so just because it's um so being gay is a mortal sin there's acting acting on being gay. so there's four oh yes sins. of course because you have to suppress um, your urges i do know yes that. um and they are lust gluttony avarice Oh, nope. Okay. So that's actually, I, the seven deadly things. I started reading something before I can continue. But yeah, no. So, but yeah, so like basically a seven deadly sin is kind of a mortal sin, but a venial sin is like, you didn't fully respect your parent. You told a white lie versus Mm -hmm. a big lie, you Mm -hmm. know, which I think is so funny that they make us think about these things again in that like kind of math situation, because again, and I'll get into this later in the sad girl part, but like, um, because then people 
who say that they're like the best Catholics ever, best Christians or whatever, they're also doing that math and that like, they think they can get away with really, really nasty stuff because they're like, Oh, well I did this or I did that. But um, yeah. So confession was definitely like a weird thing. And I think that kind of leads into. Well, also I think that it's important that we like distinguish there's definitely people have very different experiences with confession. There are people who like, go to confession at random churches and like talk to a priest that they do not know. I pretty much Waldorf. Right. My my whole experience with confession. And I think yours too, was like people, you knew very, very well. Like our mom worked at our high school. So it was like literally people like men who had been over to drink at our house and like hung out with our family. And then you also, I never had confessionals. We were always like face to face. So like you would lo- you have to like look this person in the eye and tell them like your sins, which like in some ways was comforting because you knew them, you but knew it's them. also like, but it's also, I don't want you to know this. Right. And like, sometimes it, like I remember when there would be um, retreats and things and I'm like, Oh, I get to like go to confession with somebody I don't know. I just, I like to point out the fact that I think when people who aren't Catholic think about confession. They're just like, oh, it's some random priest. You're behind a confessional. It's all very secret. And that's like really not the case. No, it's it's very much a community thing. Because mm-hmm. that's the thing is like a large part of Catholicism. And I think a lot of, I mean, a ton of Christianity, it's all based around community and it's being very insular. Um, and it's that thing of like, oh, well, you can trust us. We're part of your community. But so moving forward a little bit, when I got into high school was when I got like, really devout because I, again, at the time I did not know this, but I was developing a pretty severe anxiety disorder and I needed a lot of control to cope with that. And, um, having control for me meant following as many rules as possible. Cause then I knew I wasn't doing anything wrong. I couldn't get in trouble. I, I, everyone knows this that knows me. I am a horrible liar. I hate lying. Um, because I'm like, I know I can get in trouble. I know I can get caught. One time I was playing one of those, like it's a game called like resistance or something where there's like two players who aren't, who are actually secretly like on the resistance. And it was me and a friend of mine and you have to lie and like make up a story. And she had, she had crafted the most beautiful backstory for us. And then it got to me and I said, I'm actually the resistance. Can we start the game over? Um, <laughs> because I like, I couldn't do it. Um, and the other thing too, was when I was like, I'd say like middle school going into high school, part of my anxiety disorder was fixating on death. Um, and especially fixating on the apocalypse. Um, we didn't go to a fire and brimstone church, but like people have, people talk about having seasonal depression, like in the winter, I had seasonal depression in the spring because Lent leading into Easter was always when they would talk about like revelations and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I would always be very anxious about end days and making sure that I'm right with God. It's also close to your birthday, which close to my birthday mortality. And yeah. And, um, like I remember one time there was some random, it's same thing happened. I'll, I'll say with 2012, like when I heard that there was like, Oh, the apocalypse might be in 2012. Like, I knew logically that that was stupid, but in my like heart and I was so scared all the time. Like I've always been very, very anxious about death and, and like when I was a kid, I would, uh, I would lay in my bed with my arms over my chest (laughs) and my eyes closed to like practice. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Because 
I was like, if I just know what I'm getting into <laughs> with dying. And there was something about, and, and I'll get more into this later, but there was something about like heaven being eternal and like, like purgatory. I was kind of cool with like, I'm like, I'm good if I go to purgatory because I have a goal. There was no, there was absolutely something comforting about purgatory. Yeah. Cause I, you're like, I, I can work that. towards being better, but like in heaven, you're just there and that's it. Um, but yeah, so, so I, I was developing this anxiety disorder, having a lot of anxiety about death and, um, and times. And then, so yeah, so in school, the way that I dealt with that was just being, it was interesting because I would try and follow all the rules, but I was also like rebellious because we had very homophobic teachers. Um, we had xenophobic teachers at this we had at you at name it they were misogynist yeah, like all of it and, and and Sid and I's parents are very like they're progressive like they don't like yeah. they're not conservative they never taught us any of that and like we grew up in theater we grew up around you know gay and trans people and you know and obviously I'll get Do into we know it. trans people um I, well, we know people who have, have since come, who have since transitioned. I will say famously, I like did not understand the concept of homosexuality. Like, I, like I have a joke that like my first celebrity crush was Anderson Cooper, and it had like th- that is how homosexuality was explained to me. And they're like, no, you cannot be with Anderson Cooper, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, the H thing is weird, but like, what if we just hung out? And everyone's like no, he, he wouldn't be interested in you. And I was like, I'm an interesting person. And like, um, so it's something else that I remember just like, they were tiptoeing around the subject and they're like, he likes men. And I was like, I, I don't, I, but he could like me. It could be a, so um, yeah, that was how I was described to like, how I learned. So I just like, didn't understand. Yeah. Well, and we definitely were kept in the dark about a lot of mm-hmm, stuff. Like, mm-hmm. again, not that our family specifically kept it away from us. Like I said, we had uh, gay people who we worked with. I remember the the guy who played um, Harold Hill in The Music Man. I, I remember mom saying no one time. Way he was gay. Yeah. And mom was like, man, he's really like, I really believe in that he's into Marion. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Because, oh, he's gay. <laughs> but he's a very good actor. And I was like, what? Well, we did talk about um, in the last episode we did, or, or previous episode, because I don't know. We don't know exactly when these are going to the order these are going to line up. Uh, Troy and Zeke dated in that production you did of High School Musical. Oh my gosh, I hadn't even remembered that. Well, and and when I was in uh, West Side Story, uh, I remember I was I was very very eager to um, when they were splitting up all of the people for the dance scene, mm-hmm. and there was one extra girl or two extra girls or whatever. I was like, oh, I'll be in the alternative couple. Yeah, the pipeline <laughs> to being like, I'm an ally. Oh, I'm not an ally. I'm something else. Yeah. So in school, I also, I remember a very formative experience for me was reading the screw tape letters because that's um, a C.S. Lewis book for, for context um, that's written from the perspective of a demon writing to his demon uncle or whatever about how humans sin. And I remember there was a part, like, I'll never forget. There was a part that was like, yeah, like Christians don't even kneel when they pray anymore. And I was like, oh my God, I, oh my God, I haven't been kneeling. And so I would Mm -hmm. kneel in bed every night. And then that developed into a very unhealthy thing where I would go to adoration um, because that was really big in our school. And I would kneel until it hurt. And like, that would be how I knew that I had been praying enough Mm -hmm. was when my knees hurt so much. I couldn't even like stand up. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, no, it was very much like my mindset was basically self-flagellation. Like mm-hmm. it was like, if, if I am in pain, I am sacrificing something for God and I'm proving myself. Um, because I, I had that a little bit too, I think, because like being Catholic where we grew up was so easy. Like you're never persecuted. Like we knew so many Catholic people. So you like had to make it difficult for yourself to feel like, because I talk about this on, on here too, where I'm like, we were prepared to die at any point in time. Like Mm -hmm. we learned about the saints and how they were martyrs constantly. And it was like, well, Jesus died for your sins and you're, you're doing what? Part of the reason why I had such a, such a weird thing about death was because we were talking about it nonstop from when I was seven, you know, through school. And yeah, always talking about saints, especially female saints. I think it's so interesting. Like that's something that I can't really relate to growing up Methodist in a place where there really were not a ton of Catholic people that I knew well growing up. Um, So I think it's really fascinating. And I'm sure that has a profound impact on how you see yourself and how you see your own like well, it basically like I mean, oh, oh no, I'm gonna sneeze. That's okay. You're legally allowed to sneeze. <coughs> bless you. Well, <laughs> wow, and not even a bless you. This truly <laughs> is good girl gone sad. She's wow. gone. She's off the rails. She doesn't even bless people. <laughs> We're radicals. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, it's like I don't know. I kind of think that. Catholicism is kind of a death cult. Like, even though it's not, it's like anything that makes you super excited to die or like, I think that's also why Catholics have a persecution complex because they're literally taught to have one from, they're like, you know, from as a kid on, they're like, you, like, this is what historically Catholics have had to do. Like they have had to kill themselves for their, um, for God or, or they've been put in positions where it's like, say that you believe in God or die. And they choose to say they believe in God. And um, that's like, not what Catholics in America actually have to deal with. And so that turns into a lot of people trying to come up with those situations, like create situations where they're, they're the martyr. They're the, yeah, it's, it's not, it's like, they're the, the oppressed person, even though, America is built on Christianity. <laughs> so right. And that's also like the, like the like kind of the whole thing with apologetics too, is mm-hmm. like challenge people. They want to be challenged, do it all the time. Yeah. It's yeah. So it, it, it is definitely, and it, and it just creates like an, an environment where you have, like, I remember sp- especially in high school, you have an environment where you have all of these like dumb teenagers who think that they know everything about the most existential questions in the universe. And they're acting like they, <laughs> they're hot shit and they know everything. And like, they don't like we we were dumb teenagers and we were like, but our moldy or not moldy, our brains that could be molded, not moldy. <laughs> like, they were crusty. Our little crusty. Our malleable brains. brains. Full of mushrooms, mm-hmm. basically. Like, oh my God. And so you have, and what, yeah. So like I said, I don't know if, I guess this is good girl gone good mm-hmm. right now. I'll just talk about being good. But yeah, so I remember when I got confirmed, I tried my hardest to act like that was like the biggest deal of my life. So I'm like, 
getting the seal, baby. Mm-hmm. I don't know, uh, Becca, if you know about confirmation, but it's basically like in Catholicism, it's the last step to becoming an adult Catholic. And I watched a lot of anime at the time that I was getting confirmed. So in my head, I thought it was like Naruto where I was getting like a seal that like in Japanese said God in my, <laughs> in my soul. And then like when I went to heaven, they'd be like, oh, I see you got the, the God chakra. <laughs> we'll let you in. Um, and then we went to, what was that? Macaroni grill. <laughs> we could draw on the table. Yes, we did go to Macaroni Grill. Um, but yeah, so, and yeah, and then I would say once I got to college, that I went sad. <laughs> well, I, I remember that you did, like, you went out of your way and it was extremely inconvenient for you to go to Mass. Oh, yeah. Oh, when I was in college? Yeah, that's yeah. where you were there. Yeah, because I would take a, a bus because I didn't have a car in college. And I was like, well, I have to keep going to Mass. And it's like, even if, because like our parents at that time were kind of, were going to mass less. And I was the, like when I was in high school, I was always the person that was like, we have to go to mass or I'm going to feel terrible all week. Um, mm-hmm, so I would mm-hmm. force everyone to go and guilt everybody. Um, yeah. We definitely like as a family, like took our cues from Sam. We're like, we've got to, we've got to live up to Sam. And then like, even when we all stepped back, it like kind of all happened like together yeah like like once one of us stopped going we all stopped stopped but I I also had like kind of my same experience like at the Newman Center at IU like I was like I'm like like literally the entire congregation was exactly the college republicans Mm -hmm. and I was like "Mm, I'm not so sure about (laughs) this so oh well I do that does remind me of like my one major experience in college when I was I went on that desert retreat oh yeah talk about that uh so when so yeah so when I was in college I um made great efforts to go to to go to mass every Sunday I took the bus and got out there at like 7 30 a.m and it was ridiculous but so at one point my church hosted a retreat in the desert where you like wandered around and talked to God with a bunch of nuns um and I like I had had a lot of difficulty in, in high school about whether or not I should become a nun or an animator because I really wanted to go into animation. But I thought that to be a, the perfect Catholic, you had to be a nun. That's such a um, natural choice. I'm sure most people in your field are like, yeah, it was either this or I was going to join. Or a being a nun. Yeah. <laughs> and at one point, so yeah, at one point when Santa was young, it was veterinarian, animator or None. None. <laughs> Honestly, all help people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. They're all doing good for the world. I actually enjoyed and felt fulfilled. <laughs> um, yeah. I would have been the worst nun. Um, I think it would have been a bad vet. I got to be honest. A bad vet? Bad bad oh, I would have been a bad vet. Oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I went to this retreat where the whole thing was that you drove out to Alhambra and you were in the desert. And Is this California? This is in California. Okay. Yeah. I'm not super familiar with California, so... Yeah. And I remember like the drive there was really beautiful. We drove through, I drove through the mountains and, um, I always kind of like being like something I do to this day still like is like reflection, like not necessarily spiritually, but just kind of being, you know, just taking a nice drive during like dusk or dawn and stuff like that. But so I was driving there and I was like, Oh, so beautiful. This is really going to like set me in with Jesus. And I remember at the time I was dating my ex, um, 
and my one goal there internet x it, internet x yes I, I i was i was like i really want to break up with this guy but i don't know if it's mean so i'm gonna pray that god tells me if i can break up with this boy or not in the desert and <laughs> it was it was a whole thing um and so i go out there and it is literally wandering around in the desert trying to find like there was I remember there was a little like there was like a stations of the cross thing or oh no it was a rosary like a rosary walk so you had could like walk around and find like statues and stuff and you just you know prayed and so I was like oh yeah like this is it like I'm letting the sands of God wash over me um I was super distracted the whole time because they told us that there might be quails out there so I was like oh I want to <laughs> see a quail so bad wait I'm sorry you definitely made a film about it. I this. did. I, and then my third year film for school was just about an old man looking for a quail in the desert and then getting, uh, getting rescued slash kidnapped by scary nuns. Um, wow. my, my student films are not good. Do not look them up. Do not look them up. They're not even on the internet. It's impossible to find. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I remember that, like, that was a big thing for me was trying to put myself in situations where I was like, letting God just like take up my whole being and Mm -hmm. reveal things to me because that's what I thought, you know, cause, cause the thing is, it's like when you sit and you're just alone in your thoughts, like no matter what you will have revealing thoughts. Mm -hmm. And if you're under the impression that it is from God, it can be a big deal. So yeah. So that was, that was a big, a big thing. And so I, I went to church all through college, very religiously. And then when I was like 23, I um, started developing, uh, like my, my panic attacks were getting worse. My anxiety disorder was worse. I was having depression. I was having a lot of new feelings that I had had when I was in school, but hadn't really recognized or wanted to talk about. And I felt like Catholicism wasn't what I needed. So I actually converted full conversion, rebaptized and everything into being Protestant. Um, Wait, I didn't know this. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Like which, um, which denomination did you go for? uh, Protestant. Um, But were you like Methodist or Episcopalian or just non-denominational? Oh, so the church that I went to was technically an Episcopalian church but the like group that I went to was like a non-denominational cool church mm-hmm. that was there in yes. the evening. So it shared with an Episcopalian. Um, but yeah, Episcopalians was, are cool, man. They I are. Know. They they're like Catholic out. light, but they're super accepting. And yeah, yeah, very I legitimately do love Episcopalians, but yeah. So, so then, so then I like went really hard into doing Bible study. Me and my roommate at the time, um, went and got up and went to McDonald's for Bible study at like 5 a.m. every day before work. It was really intense. I had this, she had gotten me this, this Bible that um, was a thing where it was called a soap Bible. And I think it was like scripture, um, obs- observation, affirmation, prayer, or something like that, where like you wrote down a thing every, for every, every scripture or whatever. And I was like really into that. And I was doing all this Bible study and that, but like uh, that was for about a year, and yeah, I, I got rebaptized. I wrote a whole thing about how Catholicism didn't really like complete me, but being this kind of Christian, like maybe my full self. And <laughs> it's so funny because I have this very clear memory 
of sitting in that church and going, I love Jesus. And also I think I like girls. <laughs> Amazing. And, and so are we transitioning into what made you sad? Yeah. So we are transitioning now into what made me sad. Um, because at that time, even though like, cause I basically like, I kind of came out twice because I, when I was in college, I was very, very, or not college, high school, I was very, very, very closeted. I was always like, I had had thoughts about like, well, what if I kiss this girl? That That's stupid. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Okay. No. <laughs> well, we like to say it's, um, like you're so closeted. You don't even realize you're inside of a house. Yeah, no, seriously. Because, and, and I was a huge ally. Um, and I would get in really heated debates with my theology teachers about the treatments of, of homosexuality in the church. And, um, and to be honest, like, to be honest, like trans issues did not even come up. Like, I no. feel like that was kind of out of our, cause we didn't have anyone that we knew, like, like you said, people since have transitioned from mm-hmm. our classes, but no one was out and they didn't talk because I think they didn't want us to talk about it. They never brought up trans issues. Well, I also, I think like it just, it's completely discredited in Catholicism. Like I, I think that it's like undeniable that people are in homosexual relationships. It is in the Catholic church, like kind of deniable that people are like, can be trans, can be trans. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, well, those people just like dress up as like, another, or, like whatever. Yeah. So they're like, it's just, that's, that's just being gay or like whatever. It's well, like, that's it's, a huge thing right, too so is like, the, the complication of, mm-hmm. because they don't care to understand, but right. yeah. So like being trans specifically, yeah, it was absolutely never brought up or like, if it was, if it was, it, like, was, it was connected to being gay. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Or it was like, you'll never even experience this. This is the craziest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Like, no one does that kind of thing. It was like silly almost, which is like, awful of course yeah um yeah sorry no no it's fine and yeah so yeah so in 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 high school I was always like and I had asked myself like why do I care about this so much but I was always like you have like this is not fair like this is just how these people are what and then when I was in college I (laughs) I remember having a huge meltdown one night um again this was my anxiety disorder had become a full-fledged anxiety disorder and I had a panic attack because my friends and I went to go see uh, Hunger Games Mockingjay or whatever the second one was. And the whole time I was like, am I attracted to who plays Jennifer Lawrence? Am I attracted (laughs) to Jennifer Lawrence or PETA? And I was like, I was the whole movie. I was, I did not even pay attention to the movie. I was like, am I attracted to Jennifer Lawrence? She's also for clarity, not my type. Not your type. But, um, but also, would PETA be either? No, no. no. I was so, going to say, I was way more into the other. What was the other guy? Gail? Gail. Gail, yeah. yeah. I was um, team Gail, so, even though he was, like, worse. <laughs> I was into Senna, so we can just talk oh, about that later. Okay, but Senna's awesome, though. So cool. Um, but, yeah, so but so afterwards, we went to some, like, hokey, like, there was this place in um, in Santa Clarita that was, like, a family restaurant. It was also, like, an ice cream parlor and, uh, like, pinball arcade I don't know but so we're sitting there for my friend's birthday after this movie and all of a sudden out of nowhere I just start sobbing like uncontrollably and they're like what's wrong and I'm like I have no idea I'm heavy breathing I'm crying and we get home and everyone's like so what was that and I'm like I have no idea and I definitely wasn't going to tell them I think I might be gay uh-huh. you know which is funny because I was with a friend of mine at the time I mean she's still my friend um who who was out, um, at least to us, I don't think she was out to everyone yet, um, and had a girlfriend and we had talked about it before, but like, I wasn't going to admit it to them, but yeah. So fast forward to 
when I was Christian or when I was Protestant, I, um, I had like accepted that I w- was bisexual, but I was like, but I won't act on the gay part of it because I shouldn't. And, um, I remember this conversation we had at tender grades. Yeah, yeah. Because I also like we were just like eating. I was eating the salmon salad, and I was like, "I'm eating salmon. Who am I? I'm a girl in LA." Like I was visiting <laughs> my sister, and we were with our wellness. We and, um, and it was the three of us eating out of tender greens. And so I was like, "Well, Sid, you know I'm bisexual, right?" And I was like, "Oh," and I had I did not. And you'd you already come out to mom, and I think you'd already told dad. And so I was just like, "Fuck! I just gotta I just gotta accept this. I'm, I'm cool. I'm an ally. I'm cool." And it was like. I don't think it was really challenging, but like it was like an immediate family member, which is like obviously different yeah. than um, it being like, like, of course, of course gay people deserve rights and they deserve to live. Like that's so kind of nebulous sometimes. And then I was like, no, it's cool. It's cool. I'm fine with this. Uh, okay. I do have to like think through it. I right. have to like process it. Um, and yeah, that was like, it's a, sorry, it's just a very core memory. This no, it's funny because I remember you saying too, you're like, I mean, I like women, but I'm only going to date men. And I remember that that was a caveat that you told me at Tender Grace. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that conversation, but yeah. And I so- never have. <laughs> Well, and so, so yeah, so I, um, sort of came out, you know, (laughs) had the weird caveat, um, which again, looking back sucks, but, um, but then I, and and it was funny because I remember I, I started going to therapy around that time, um, for, for the anxiety and the panic attacks. But at one point, um, I was talking about a girl in my life who I like definitely had a codependent relationship with and my, and my therapist was like, oh, well, do you think that you might be gay? And this is before I came out. And I was like, oh, no, no, she's just my super best friend who I only want to be with all the time. Um, and like, there was so much going on. You said you talked about masturbation on the show before. Yes. So, okay. but it, Or lack in, thereof, in, really. In context <laughs> that um, Beck and I both did not realize that women could masturbate mm-hmm. or like experienced pleasure. And so I know what you're about to say. And like, I, you don't think I should say it. No, 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 no. You should say it. You should say it. But like, this is another thing where like, I mean, like I am your younger sister. I've taken so many cues from you. Like I was definitely really religious because well, also like my ex boyfriend was like really religious and like, Mm -hmm. you were really religious. And I was like, okay, like the two most people, like not most poor people in my life, but like, I guess like peer important, you know, are like really religious that I need, like, this is who I have to be. And then like you came out and I remember you like struggling with masturbation. And I was like, women can masturbate. Like, well, I, I, and like, even like, we talk about this all the time. Beck and I literally did not know that like (laughs) women could masturbate or like experience pleasure. And I'm like, so simulated sex, like, I, I, no clue. Okay, no I, clue. I also did not realize that, like, we've talked about this before too. Like, oral sex could be performed on a woman. No, just like, I don't think I even understood anatomy. I was like, I'm, I'm a Barbie down there. Like, yeah, like, there's even, nothing there. Even like, I would have a period and be like, I don't even know where that comes from. <laughs> and I remember the first time I tried to put a tampon in, my friend helped me. This is in college. And I was like, I honestly don't know which hole this is coming out of. And she was like, oh my God. Oh, I didn't use tampons at all because I thought that it was like sexual. Oh, yes. well, also, that, that was the thing too. There was like, there was a rumor and like a strong rumor. And I think a lot of people like, like, like Christian, non-Christian, like this is a thing that you hear. It's like, well, if you use a tampon before you have sex, it will break your hymen and you will no longer be a virgin. You'll lose your virginity to a tampon. So I do remember that. And I remember going to the gynecologist for the first time because I was like, 
a virgin and I, I just needed birth control because I had really bad periods. And I also remember being like, I'm a virgin, but I need birth control because I have bad periods. Like, I was like very much like, this is the party line. And it was true, but I felt like I had to say it all the time. No, <laughs> but it, yeah. it, that is so true though. Cause I remember in high school, you'd find out that like someone you knew was on birth control and you were like scandalized by it. And they're like, no, no, no. I have bad periods or I have, I have, I have acne. Mm-hmm. I, I have, have like, some kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I legitimately like had to leave school because my cramps were so bad several times. And my mom, I think brought it up and was like, I think you need birth control. But I remember going to the gynecologist and just like being so anxious that my hymen would be gone because I was a dancer. <laughs> I did horseback riding some when I was little and I used to take my hymen. You're a trifecta of hymen. I was like, also, I've ridden a bike, like all the things that can get <laughs> I haven't ridden a bike. I'm going to lose my <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to remember like what we were talking about that got us onto this. Um, um, you were talking about how you like struggled with Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. So yeah, because it's like, suddenly I've realized I was attracted to women. And then I was like, hmm, might want to have some alone time. And then like the first time that I did that, it was a huge deal. Like I... I had a meltdown because I was like, I can't believe I did this. I'm dirty. Like I'm a bad Mm -hmm. person. Now I started going to confession every single Saturday, um, to go tell some random old man that I had masturbated. And when I think about that is so fucked up. Mm -hmm. And, and like, so I had had like an accountability buddy who I would tell every time that I masturbated from my church. Um, and, it was treated as though I had an addiction. And so, yeah, so that, that was a really big turning point in my life was that whole period. It was like very traumatizing, but it was also like built up trauma. So it was like finally taking everything that I had learned and, or I had internalized and, you know, realizing that I was gay being sexual for the first time, I was like, that's it. I'm fucked. I have to go really deep into Christianity to get myself out of this. And it, it just drove me nuts. Like I was so miserable. And what actually happened was that I uncame out. I was like, no, actually I'm asexual. I am not attracted to anybody. And I want to caveat like asexuality is a hundred percent a thing. I have many friends who are ace um, being ace doesn't mean that you can't have sex. There's ace and aromantic people. It's a whole thing. I just want to be really clear because whenever I talk about this story, um, I like, I, I kind of hate talking about it because I feel like, because me identifying as ace came from trauma that it, it de, de, devalidates devalues Devalues. invalidates invalidates people who are truly asexual and so I just like anyone listening to this like asexuality is real I also Um, think like you didn't have the tools to like understand no I absolutely did not because well and the other thing too is like I have since learned that I am bi but I am significantly more attracted to women than I am to men Mm -hmm. and so when I took being attracted to women off the table suddenly because I'm like I can't do this then I wasn't like, I didn't, I didn't want to do anything Mm -hmm. because I'm not as attracted to men. And so then I was like, okay, I'm ace. I never have to worry about this again. I made myself an excuse. I don't have to worry about being gay. And, and so, you know, 
that lasted for a while. And then at one point I, I was, I had left the church. I hadn't been at church for a long, long, long time. Um, and I developed a crush on a girl and I remember being like, fuck, like <laughs> there it is again. <laughs> there it is again. I am like, I am gay. And then that coming out was a lot slower. Like that felt like a really real thing because I knew that when I came out this time, it was for keeps, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, especially because I was recognizing the fact that I was really, really attracted to women. And so I knew the next time I dated, it was probably going to be a woman. And so that made it a lot scarier. You know, it was like, I, I told a few very close friends. Oh no, actually the funniest part of this whole thing was that it, before I had a crush on a girl, I developed a crush on a guy. And it, and I think that that's one of the funniest part of the stories is like developing a crush on a, on a dude made me realize that I was gay yeah. <laughs> um, because, cause yeah, cause I, I had feelings for a guy, but at the same time I was like, Oh, but I am really attracted to women. And um, that, that thing didn't work out. Um, it, it was absolutely not meant to be, but um, so then I was like, okay, I have to deal with this. Um, and like I said, it was really slow going. So I told my friends and a couple other people, but not many. And I remember in the back of my mind, I was just so terrified of telling my grandmother. Um, my So eventually I started on Bumble. I started on the apps. I was opening myself up to the experience. It was also exclusively Bumble because she loves bees. I love bees. <laughs> well, and also like I tried Hinge and it was okay, but it was just so much writing. Um, Fair enough. That's, but, okay. Our friend Rachel says that she's um, a math person. And she told me one time that she didn't like Hinge because she doesn't like to read. And I was like, you don't have to read that much. And she was like, it's, it's too so much. much talking <laughs> Becca. Like, it's like, you have to write a novel about yourself. I mean, my favorite part I was like I have the best hinge profile out here when literally when I started dating my boyfriend I was like I'm gonna have to retire this top notch hinge profile (laughs) I so so Beck and I are pretty similar and I'm the same way I'm like I don't think I come across as interesting enough on Bumble like I'm very interesting and extremely cool Mm -hmm. and hinge gives me the tools to display that for the world totally well also on hinge I felt like people people got like a sneak peek of your personality whereas on Bumble it's like blank slate I could be anyone yeah it's like I have friends and also here's a picture of me in a cool sweatshirt and I'm like you need to know that the sweatshirt runs deep it's not just I didn't just thrift it I love Disney and you're gonna have to deal with that (laughs) um yes okay okay no no it's it's totally fine um what was I saying? Bumble. Uh, oh, Bumble, 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 Bumble. Yeah. So, so yeah. And I remember sitting with my grandma and my mom during Thanksgiving week and I had been talking to a girl on Bumble. And <gasps> Sorry, this is my favorite story of all time. And, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, like maybe I should say something. And so, so my, my mom and her mom are not religious. My mom converted to Catholicism when she was like in eighth grade, but her mom is not religious and my mom is no longer Catholic mm-hmm. um, or no longer religious, I'd say. But she does work at a church. She works at a church. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. She's got some, re- she's got some spirituality in her, but I yeah. wouldn't say she's Catholic. Yeah, yeah. but she also works at like the most progressive church yeah, in yeah, yeah. the state of California, which is saying something for the state of California. And um, so I'm like, hey, like mom and grandma, I just thought I'd let you know 
that um, I've, I've realized that I'm bi, which means that I, I date men, women, and non-binary people. And my, my grandma says, Samantha, I don't care. And then my mom says, oh, you say that like you're having so many dates. <laughs> you're like, I date oh, all rude. of these people. And she's like, prove it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember it being told as like, grandma, I date these people. Mom's like, you don't date anyone. <laughs> you're just interested in them. <laughs> so it was, funny. It's the most beautiful read of all time. Yeah. I, I was like, I mean, fair, but that was so rude. Well, and I'm sure you were so nervous to have this serious conversation. And then your mom just completely roasts you. <laughs> Which honestly is the best, yeah. the best version, like best outcome. So funny. Because because, and they just brought you more wine and watch more Hallmark. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I Shout out to my grandmother and my mother. <laughs> we love drinking wine and watching Hallmark movies. But so the one that I was really nervous about was my dad's mom. Mm-hmm. My, my dad, I wasn't really nervous about talking to about it. Um, I knew it would be a more serious conversation, not because my dad's homophobic by any, by any stand, but like, I know that like he, I, how, how do I put it? Like, I think that he's just like when, when it's something that he doesn't really recognize because it's not part, not, not recognized, but he doesn't fully understand because it's not his experience. He's yeah. just like, he's, he's he a very just, deep thinker. Yeah, exactly. He just yeah. wants to deeply think about it. So, mm-hmm. you know, when I knew what I would tell him that I would like, that I was bi and gay and he'd be like, okay, I see, you know? And I'm like, okay. This, but his mom is still extremely Catholic and always has been and daily mass vibes, daily mass vibes. And, and both Sydney and I are like, she are when my grandpa, when her husband passed away, he left money to go towards our school, um, our student loan debt. So we're paying her back for student loan debt. And I have this like thought of like, Oh my gosh, like if, if I tell her I'm gay, will she stop talking oh, to wow. me? I didn't think about that. Yeah. Will she, will she cut me off? Will she say like, you have to pay this all back now, or I don't want you to pay it off at all, which would, which would be equally upsetting to me. Um, so I, I would eventually tell her, but at this point I still hadn't, but it was like, that was on my mind the most. So I was doing Bumble and I, uh, I went on one date with a, a girl. I remember specifically before I got the courage to go out on a date, I had one girl who sent me like an emoji that like, I mean, I don't know how to describe this because this isn't on video, but eh, like that, like oh, a, yeah. the mm-hmm. smiley face with the tongue out. And I, cause she said, Hey, and I was like, Hey, how's it going? And she said, or something. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know what to do. That's Is that me. a symbol of some sort? Yeah. I, was like, I don't know. Um, You're cryptic language. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the language of the lesbians yeah, yet. Like, um, so, but I did eventually go on a date and I remember like being so nervous. Cause I also like, I have not dated a lot. My ex was an internet ex who had like lived because it was a long distance thing. He mm. lived in London. We never met in person. <laughs> it was a whole for thing. the best. For the best. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I went on one date with one girl, which was interesting and it was a great way to get a first date out of the way. Um, she she was nice. <laughs> okay, she was kind of mean to me. Um, but <laughs> she was kind of mean to me to put me off at the end. But um, to lift you off at the end? Yeah, I haven't I told you that? Okay, so she brought me. She brought me cemetery flowers. Oh my god, wait, I I'm sorry. She when you said cemetery. she was nice, that was just a lie. <laughs> it was a lie. Like 
I think that Samantha can only lie if it's building up someone's I was going to say if it's a white lie. <laughs> if it's a white lie that, like, I don't know. Like, she's still out there vibing. Like, she, I think, I think it was just very much we did not. Just not a fit. We didn't, we didn't vibe that way. Mm-hmm. Like, we had fun, but, like, her humor was very different than mine. Oh, and. Yeah. It was just, you know, and when I say cemetery flowers, she worked at a cemetery. And so she brought me flowers from work, which I always think is a really funny. I'm like, I know that she got them from like the cemetery store, but I'm always like, could you just like pick these up? See, I was picturing, I was picturing her going to a cemetery, picking the flowers and bringing them to you because it was some kind of funny, dark humor situation. Oh no, it's just, she was, she came from work. So, okay. So that, (laughs) so it was like a bouquet. It wasn't. Wild yeah, flowers. yeah, it wasn't like random wildflowers in the cemetery. But yeah, and I remember like it even though that date didn't go super well, it was such a relief because I was like, I just went on a date with a girl and it wasn't it didn't feel weird. It felt right, even though that was not the right person. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, flash forward a year later, I I'm dating my current girlfriend Maria, who is like the love of my life. I I love her so much. And we're such a great pair. Shout out Maria. We love you, Maria. (laughs) And, and it's, it's incredible to me, the difference in my life, like, and how happy I am, um, being completely open with who I am feeling comfortable standing up for myself and other people who fall under, you know, the umbrella of, you know, LGBTQIA and, and being like, you know, this is who I am. This is my community. This is my girlfriend who I love. And um, it, yeah, it's just such a good partnership. And I did eventually tell my grandma and I was so nervous, you know, so I sent her this email and I'm like, I know how I'll frame this. Um, I say, hey, hey, Mimi, um, you know, I hadn't told you this. I was a little nervous, but I just wanted to let you know that, you know, this is my, cause it was, it was right after Marie and I's first anniversary and uh I don't know. So I, I, we had taken some funny pictures at like knots or something. So I sent a picture of us at a knots. I said, this is my girlfriend, Maria. Um, we've been together for a year. We're very, very happy. Like she is the, you know, the best part of my life. And then I said, and she loves oatmeal and you make the best oatmeal <laughs> Mimi. So I hope that sometime she can come meet you and we can have oatmeal together. And, um, and I was so nervous. Well, and also before I got the reply from her, my dad had let it slip that he had told all of his siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, and which was fine. Cause they're all cool. But like, I was like, okay, if the siblings know, if my aunts and uncles know, my grandma might know at some point. So yeah, like matter of time. Kind yeah. Of. So I was like, I just want to get ahead of this. You want to do it yourself. Yeah. And, and so after a couple of days, I got a response from her. Um, that was like, you know, Samantha, <laughs> the way she types is like, God in all caps and me in all and and thy or thee. Oh no, it's me all caps and God all caps love thee all caps. Um, no matter what, and I would love to meet Maria and make her some oatmeal. So that's so sweet. It was a very nice like culmination and, and happy mm-hmm. ending. Hi, uh, this is Sam from the future. Uh, Sid and Becca very kindly let me record a little addendum because since recording this podcast, uh, I have actually come out as a lesbian. Um, I feel like a big sign should have been that when I thought that I shouldn't date women, I was like, okay, well then I won't date anyone. (laughs) Um, But sometimes these things take time. 
But yeah, so after a lot of soul searching that was actually going on before and during the time that we recorded this episode, um, I realized that what I felt towards women was attraction and what I felt towards men was wanting to be their best buddy. (laughs) Um, There's a term called um, compulsory heterosexuality, also known as compet, um, that references the fact that We were all brought up in such a hetero-focused society that for people who are not attracted to, quote-unquote, the opposite sex, um, we won't always be able to differentiate actual attraction from the internal obligation society has told us that we have to have to be heterosexual, um, or that we have to be heterosexual, I guess. And that was just something that I needed to take some time to realize that I was dealing with. Um, But again, this is just my personal journey. Um, Bisexuality is absolutely valid. My girlfriend is a very confident bi woman, and I love that for her. But yeah, so I am a lesbian. Back to the show. So yeah, like, I am now a good girl gone glad. Because glad! (gasps) That's so much better than we always keep saying happy, and it's not, it's like, yeah. No, I guess we're taking that. I was gonna. I, I thought that was gonna be too on the nose. You were like, "Ugh, no. nothing is too on the nose." Okay, you, you literally cannot be too on the nose. We no. have a synchronized <laughs> intro. Yeah, we have a synchronized <laughs> intro. Are you there, guys? It's us. <laughs> but yeah, so that that is my my journey. I um. I, oh, and the other thing that I still continue to do is um. I would not say harass. But I I spend quite a bit of time, especially in June, contacting my old high school, mm-hmm. which was and still is aggressively homophobic and transphobic. Um, and sending I send them emails. I, I make donations to um, the Trevor Project in their name and say, "Hey, you want to match me on this? How's it going, guys? You guys gonna?" I, I notice that you like I collect like all of the like legal cases that they have ever taken care of. So like I feel like that's my my current like I don't know me trying to like make up for that time yeah 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 is is trying to because I know that there's still LGBT kids in Indiana like there are there's always going to be queer people everywhere and like I know that queer kids are ending up at that school well and this school also brought a conversion therapy uh leader to the school in August 2020 um so as recent as that um, yeah, so like that's that's something I get a big chip on my shoulder about, and I feel like I want to let that go, but I also feel like it'll always haunt me because, mm-hmm. like, I talked about it a little bit, and I won't go too into it, but like high school specifically, I think really messed me up, and and that that really um, really devout high school and the way that they talked about women's rights and women's issues, the way they talked about homosexuality the way they did not recognize trans identity, um, the way they talked about xenophobia, everything like it really, really messes kids up and makes them either not be able to live as the, as the people that they truly are, or takes away their opportunity to be good stewards of humanity because it, it, it molds them into bad people. <laughs> so high school is so hard to begin with. And then like, I think it's, especially if you um, don't identify like maybe with the mainstream in like any way, and then like, it's hard enough to get there and then to have to unlearn 
so much before you can start on the path that most people, if they don't yeah. have to unlearn these things, get to start on. I feel like I completely got gypped from college because like, yeah, <laughs> I didn't get to have college college. I had Catholic Sam college. That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just, mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I love the fact that you took um, this. So they did, they taught us apologetics and they taught us how to argue with people. And you're like, so yep. what I'm going to do is take those lessons on how to argue and argue right back, back at, at you. you. Yeah. That's um, great. One last little story and then mm-hmm. we'll play the game. Yeah. I am so sorry. Oh, wait, I, no, I, this is uh, great. Thank you for sharing all of this. Oh, yeah. of course. Uh, one of the best moments in my recovery was, um, cause when I was having all of that trouble with like sexual, like finding my sexuality and stuff, I got really into purity culture. Oh. Um, and I had bought like welcome and <laughs> purity books. And I had had like, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of, um, oh, what was it called? It's um, like not just one thought or like, um, oh, what is it? Mm, not one, even, not even a, the one that not I, even a hint or something like that. Oh, the one that comes to mind was how to find your soul without losing your soul. Oh, that, that one also, the but, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I had this one that was like, not even a hint, I think was what it was called. And it was like, it means like, you don't even think about sex even a little bit. And, um, oh, it was so bad. It was you so, you that one. Yeah, it was so bad. And so I had that and a bunch of other purity books. And last year, um, I was, I was preparing my worm box. Um, I have like a vermiculture, like worm bin for compositing. Verma, Vermicomposting? Vermicomposting. Yeah. That's it. Vermicomposting. And, um, we needed more like paper for it. And so my girlfriend and I shredded the pages of my noted up purity books. Yeah. Amazing. And, and fed them to the worms. So I felt like that was an appropriate. Remember you are dust and to dust you shall return. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah. I think that one thing that I feel like has started to come up in these conversations is like, I think a lot of people who were raised super religious have felt like they came into their own, like in their mid to late 20s because the time when you're supposed to come into your own you were told who you were supposed to be and so you don't get to really figure out who you are until you're a little bit older and I think I don't know I just the way that you talked specifically about like having accountability partners and things like that like really resonates in the protestant uh world but I think like in college I was really trying to be religious and I was trying to live up to this group of people that I wanted to be part of because I thought they were cool and pious and everything and I don't know I think I definitely relate to the sense of it takes a lot longer to figure out who you are and like it must be so nice to know who you are when you're 14 and just be able to totally lean into that and have the personality you're supposed to have and know what you want to wear and things like that yeah and not have to like worry about hiding any of yourself and not letting anything slip or anything like I don't know because I was definitely similar to myself now at I was very cringe at 14 and I am currently very (laughs) um I mean I just took my entire group of friends to go see Sonic the Hedgehog too um but but yeah like like being being able to lean into your true self I think is is so important and is so like it's so important for happiness and I just think there are a lot of people in multiple churches and a lot of Christianity who are not happy because they are having to push against who they are to, to match up to some completely arbitrary set of rules. Yeah. Thank Thank you you. so much for sharing. Thank you for having me. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Good girl gone glad. Good girl gone glad. Good girl gone glad. Okay. So to pivot. What's the name of the game?
<laughs> I bought that song on iTunes today and got an email that was like, did you really want to buy the name of the game by ABBA? And I was like, nope. <laughs> I was like, I know I haven't bought a song on iTunes in, I don't know, 12 years, but that was me. <laughs> <laughs> your bank is like, are you sure? Yeah. Echo, someone got your phone. So They're like, we haven't seen you on this fan. computer buying ABBA lately. Is that, you sure? <laughs> you know what? The thing is, you you strike me as an ABBA fan. Maybe not like a rabbit ABBA fan. A-teens. But... A-teens was my vibe. Oh, yep, yep. <gasps> Yeah. Um, I loved S Club. Oh, I, I, I did also like S Club. I was listening to S Club today. Oh my gosh. So this game is called Pull the Plug, uh, which I actually thought was a little bit too edgy, but Sid said that we could do it. So that should tell you a lot about me. <laughs> I was like, oh no, is that too dark? Should we change the name? Oh, um, I thought it was about TV. See, that's, I, that's, I, she was like, she's like, is it too dark? And I was like, you pull the plug on things constantly, not dressed. And she was like, yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. <laughs> I don't know why, but I just immediately went to like Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> so oh, no. like, <laughs> you, you, you cue the Coldplay song. Yeah, I'm like, save Dean. Save, save a life. Where did I go wrong? <laughs> but pull the plug is the game that we're playing. Um, it is based on Plugged In, which is a focus on the family publication. Oh, you, you mean the website that I always check for every project that I'm on to see what the Christians are okay, saying? Perfect. I'll just read this description because I wasn't familiar with it. So for the, for the listeners, um, it's a focus on the family publication designed to shine a light on the world of popular entertainment while giving families the essential tools they need to understand, navigate, and impact the culture in which they live. And so basically they rate shows and movies based on how well they uphold Christian values and they identify any um, content wordings that you might need to know about. And they also talk about any Christian themes that come out, which there are quite a few as it turns out (laughs) um so in this game we're gonna read a content warning of an animated movie and they're mostly they're all movies that we've seen one i haven't seen but i it's the the warning is so funny we had to include it um but it it should be animated movies that you're relatively familiar with um and so you're going to guess the movie based on the unhinged content warning oh wonderful i'm so excited (laughs) yes and so to avoid giving it away um some of the character names have been changed so male characters will be referred to as jesus and female characters will be referred to as mary so perfect i love it okay so are you ready for your first oh, movie, man. your first film? I'm ready. I'm, I'm, I'm locking into my unhinged Catholic self. <laughs> okay. So um, a lot of these have like a series of clues. So you get to guess after each one. Okay. If okay. you don't get it kind of thing. Okay. okay. Um, during the movie's opening musical number, the local butcher eyes a buxom customer, buxom customer too approvingly. The Beauty yes. and the Beast. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, I'm gonna keep going because it's it's good. Yeah, yeah, okay. keep reading. Sorry. <laughs> no, you but I'm incredible. I'm so proud of you. Okay. Um, she asks him, "How's your wife?" Just before said woman crowns him with a rolling pin. So yes, it is Beauty and the Beast. And then there's um. Uh, the second clue we were going to give you is three pretty town girls in form-fitting dresses repeatedly coo and swoon over the handsome Jesus when singing about his robust manliness. Jesus flashes his hairy chest <laughs> because flashing your hairy chest goes against Christian values. Yeah, no, no. Well, and a good Christian men, smooth as dolphins. 
they wax. Well, and just but a they don't really tell anyone. on this. When I was younger, I was obsessed with this website that tracked all of the satanic symbols in Disney movies. <laughs> and those three girls apparently Share like the class, the name of the publication. Oh, I can't remember. Oh, this okay. this was like early, early 2000s GeoCities. Okay. Okay. Angel Fire website. Um, but because the girls held their hands in a certain way, where like their their two middle fingers were down and their pinky and and um uh, pointer fingers were up because they would like the animators were just trying to make them look like they were dainty. People thought that it was devil horns and that <laughs> they were doing like the sign of the devil or something like that. And they're like, and you can see them do it here, 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 and here. <laughs> it's indoctrination. Um, before we got too far into the game, we were going to talk about like forbidden media, like that we think we weren't allowed to watch, which in my mind was literally three specific things. It was Beavis and Butthead. It was, um, I think we were not allowed to watch King of the Hill. No, King of the Hill was okay, but South Park. South Park wasn't. And Ren and Stimpy. Ren and Stimpy. Yeah. Which is, yeah. And then also Teletubbies, mostly because my, my mom, mom was really, like, she was like, they eat custard that comes out of one of their own. I do not trust them. I was going <laughs> to no. say, it sounds like she's like, just picking stuff that she doesn't like. <laughs> oh, absolutely. She's like, the flying monkeys in the Wizard of Oz freak me out and we're done here. <laughs> well, it's so funny because I remember like we weren't allowed to watch Ren and Stimpy and one time like mom wasn't around or something and Ren and Stimpy was on. I was like, I'm going to watch it. And I watched it for like two minutes and I was like, I don't like this. <laughs> the vibes are atrocious. <laughs> and I turned it off. But yeah. Wait, Becca, because you had a little bit more of a specific... Yeah, I so I was allowed to watch basically whatever I wanted because I'm the youngest child. Um, <laughs> and I think my sister had some restrictions, but I, I don't know if my brother did, but I certainly did not. Um, but I my mom would just like make sure that we knew the people were immoral during the show. So <laughs> uh, I would watch Friends when I was probably like 10 or 11 and my mom would be just ironing or something and she would just go, just so you know, these people having one night stands that's not good. They're immoral <laughs> people. They don't have the same values as us. And I was like, okay, <laughs> but I'm not going to lie. That was, that was a good tactic because then I judged myself the same way when I got older. I was like, well, can't get drunk because when Ross got drunk, my mom said that was bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Becca, I think you are question two. <laughs> okay. I really like this one. Uh, this one just had one warning sexual content when jesus clamps two noodle bowls to his chest it gives the impression that he's wearing a bikini top oh is this kung fu panda yes Yes. (laughs) yeah um i so i told that one to uh my boyfriend because i was describing the game and i was like oh my gosh it's so funny like sid put together this awesome game and i was trying to think of an example and this was the only one i could come up with and i was like yeah he clamps two coconuts to his chest and he goes kung fu panda except it was noodle bowls and i was like wow (laughs) i didn't know (laughs) you were such a kung fu panda stan but apparently (laughs) iconic shout out to michael like i remember that scene it was definitely in the trailer but it's it's very inappropriate (laughs) not allowed not allowed also like so it's sexual i'm like it's sexual to have a bra bra? is it sexual because he's a male panda is it sexual because then we are because like, we're made, thinking made about aware of his nakedness like i don't understand we're, we're thinking about pose boobs and we're yes. not allowed like we should and not bikinis be... you can't yeah. be wearing bikinis in let's certain play... circles let poe have boobs let poe have, po have boobs um okay question three 
The film's strong message that inner beauty really counts gets undermined a bit when someone is unfairly maligned for being short. Oh, He's got okay. a lot of faults, but his <laughs> modest stature isn't one of them. <laughs> Shrek. <Direct quote>. Shrek. <laughs> this is amazing. I'm so impressed. Oh, I, like, I just am obsessed with they devoted two or three sentences. I mean, okay. They're kind of not wrong, though. They're not wrong. <laughs> But um, also Farquaad sucks. So. Okay, so I'm going to continue. And okay. then we can tell our amazing um, high school Shrek story. Okay. Yes, oh my God. So number two, Jesus removes a long hunk of wax from his ear and uses it as a candle. Content warning, where? Having waxy ears? Yeah, I don't really bodily understand. functions as a candle? I don't understand. That's being resourceful. It's Earth Day after all. <laughs> well, because yeah, you, wouldn't, don't, you wouldn't want your children doing that. You wouldn't want your child <laughs> taking the wax out of his ear and lighting a candle. <laughs> Isn't that a homeopathic remedy? Well, I, I I have no idea if it actually works or not, but I know that people like put like candles in their ears and burn them, and then it like gets the wax out of like the other side. So, wait, don't quote me on this. I'm not a doctor. I don't know. Oh, like a vibe. <laughs> okay, here's one It's very good. I have to continue. So this is this was clue three. Scatological humor abounds with a special emphasis on flatulence. Parentheses, which folklore actually does connect with ogres. Oh my god! <laughs> I love that they looked that up. I, they were like, they were like, ogres do be farting. Like, hey, classics degree. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, no, as Sid alluded to, we had a teacher in high school who vehemently hated Shrek and thought that Shrek was just so, what's the word I'm looking for? Like heretical. Like, oh, yes. like the movie was very heretical because you rooted for the monster and you rooted for dra- a dragon. And a dragon is biblically evil and monsters and ogres are biblically evil. So it's evil to have a movie where that's the hero that you're supposed to connect with. And I'm like, it's an allegory, sir. Um, <laughs> For I, the Jewish people. Oh God. Okay, do you not know about this? Is Yeah. Um, so they're the original um, source material, which is like a graphic novel is called Trek and it is an, an allegory for the Jewish people. Oh, I did not even know that. Shout wow. out to Carly Wiesel. I know she's never going to listen to this, but she did a whole. She, she's Jewish, and she did a whole thing. She's like, so Shrek is canonically Jewish. Well, so that's even worse, worse that he was like, oh yeah, no, and he's like, you're, he's like, it's teaching children that um, the bad guys can be good. He's like, well, what if? And I remember him saying, he's like, well, what if kids didn't trust cops? <laughs> uh, what if? What if? What if? What if? Yeah, that interesting was thought experiment. What if? Absolutely, the most bananas conversation <laughs> I have ever had. Because at that point, I had already been like accepted to my art school and knew that I was going into animation, and like animation was all I talked about. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "You know, Sam, you should do something about that Shrek." And I was like, "What? Like." It's fine if you don't like Shrek, but saying that Shrek is a bad movie because it has a nice dragon in it or a dragon that like we root for or the fact that Shrek is a monster. So I remember being like, so, okay, Shrek's a monster because he's like green and has like funny ears. Like this is a movie about not judging people on how they look. <laughs> and I'm like, sir, I just, I, I, I'm so curious about your opinions about I don't know. Anything. I don't know where he is now. This is, I should say, this is the same teacher who, when my classmates asked to have a, cause he was a theology teacher. He asked to have a, or sorry, the students asked to have a week of like a, a world religions week to like learn about other religions other than Catholicism and Christianity. Five days. Five days. And he said, Letting you all hear about other religions would be like letting you try crystal meth. 
in my what? Classroom. Not kidding. Not kidding. Wow. Uh, okay. No, honestly, that, guy- that just shows a little bit of insecurity towards your <laughs> yes. own religion. Also, exactly. like Jesus's whole thing was like people who have been villainized reaching out to them and talking to them and hanging out with them and being around the sick and the you know scandalous people not being around like the the high priests and stuff he did not spend time with oh don't even get me started on how I think that like really like especially Christian men do not get it (laughs) Like yeah. they do not understand yeah. what Jesus was about. I will say yes. Sam really showed him by going and working at DreamWorks on a Shrek. Um, no, I worked, oh, I worked on Puss in Boots. Right, but... like on a, on a Shrek um, franchise. Yeah. So yeah. That's amazing. I love that part. <laughs> okay. Despite this film's eye-popping beauty and its heartwarming moments, the film still packages a pagan worldview. But is it possible to focus on the family too much? And the surprising answer here is, I think... Yes, the film unpacks a theological system with cultural roots that arguably steps over the line from honoring the family to worshiping it. The living bring gifts for the dead. Oh, is it Coco? Yeah. What? Amazing. What a bizarre take on Coco. You focus on the family too much, you've made them idols. Like directly Republican. Is that a thing? Focus on the family? Um, I'm not 100% sure. But it feels that way. If you look at the people who contribute to it. Oh, I want to shout out really <laughs> quick. Um, if if you want to watch some videos about like the people who run, who started and run Focus on the Family. We do. I, uh, <laughs> one of my favorite YouTube series or YouTube channels ever is called Fundy Fridays. I can't remember her last name, but it's- Fundies and Fundamentalists. Yeah. So yes. Fundy is like Got a it. short- yeah. for fundamentalists and it's hosted by this woman named Jen and she's amazing and she has done many videos about different like leaders in fundamentalist stuff and it's great so shout out shout to out her. to Jen right. shout out to Jen are you ready for the next one? Oh yes okay even in films otherwise chock full of uplifting pro-family messages parents have to stay vigilant to the very end Shortly before the credits, there's a <gasps> montage of babies being delivered to couples of all kinds, including same gender partners. It's a blink and you'll miss it moment, so short that one might, it might tempt us to minimize the worldview statement being affirmed there. Okay, is this Storks? Storks of 2016. Yes. yes. <laughs> Wait, I okay, but I said read the second warning because it cracks me up. It's okay, it gets better. <laughs> but make no mistake, there is a worldview being delivered in that scene, right along with those cute and cuddly babies. And even though it's very much in sync with where mainstream culture is at these days, that message remains just set decidedly at odds with the biblical understanding of family as God designed it. It's being delivered along with cute and cuddly babies. They're literally like, they are hypnotizing you. You don't realize this subliminal gay message. This subliminal, obvious gay couple. Well, because when you were reading that before you got to like the full, like the montage part, I'm like, okay, this is, this is either going to be Paranorman or Storks because Paranorman also had the like, the guy saying, oh yeah, my boyfriend would love that. Yeah. At the very, very, very end. Wow. Also, it's a deep cut. All right. Back up, moving on. You only have two more. Okay, okay. all stretch. right. <laughs> okay, this first warning. More carrots than you might expect to chew on while calving the kitty crew home. 
But even when healthy tolerance peeks around the corner into the idea of accepting what people do, living as a nudist, for instance, and not just focusing on who or what they are, a particular body type or race, the movie seems to say that negative thinking still isn't allowed. A singing animal dances and shakes her tail on stage like a human pop star wearing a halter top and short skirt. <laughs> Is it Zootopia? <laughs> So good. <laughs> like, I, the whole time you're reading that sentence, I was trying so hard <laughs> to process, like, to it's, critically think through what it was trying. Like, I don't know what it was trying grammar. to say. It's not good grammar. It's not good grammar. I absolutely gave up on trying to, like, the backwards, the mental gymnastics of this one. And I was like, if she doesn't get it by then, we'll just put in the Giselle moment. Yeah, <laughs> no. Because, like, when you said carrots, I was like, oh, maybe curse of the were-rabbit or mm-hmm. something. But no, yeah. Wow. <laughs> but you got it. You I got, got it. it. Okay. Last Samantha, one. Samantha, this is actually my birthday present to you. Okay. More disturbing than the movie itself is the soundtrack album. Only a few cuts are inherently problematic, but this disc is destined to introduce young listeners to hip-hop artists famous for recording explicit material. The quote-unquote film is full of familiar characters that earned our trust and affection decades ago. <gasps> now we have to decide if they're still worth introducing to our children. Is it Space Jam? It's Space Jam! Uh, okay, also, what absolute <laughs> blasphemy about the Space Jam soundtrack, which is the, the best... Bangers! Top to bottom in excellent soundtrack. best animated film soundtrack of all time. That, wow... I cannot believe that. Thank and you these, for that. Because they don't know, it's like, I'm like, oh yeah, R. Kelly, good point. Thank you so much for bringing okay, that up. <laughs> the R. Kelly thing, absolutely true, but well, no, the rest they, is they, They're the rest absolutely is not referring to that because they, they said something, they're like, um, TLC is on there. They talk about women masturbating in other songs. Oh my gosh. I ah. just thought this disc is destined to introduce young listeners to hip hop artists famous for recording explicit material. It's like Space Jam is a gateway drug to listening oh, to hip hop. They're not wrong. Space Jam is a gateway drug to more and more Space Jam. To, to just space being jam. an absolute meme lord. I, <laughs> I, taught a, I, I taught at my alma mater. I taught a storyboarding class. And I had an entire lecture about the hero's journey, but through the lens of Space Jam. <laughs> so Space Jam is a drug. Space Jam is a drug. Amazing. Uh, well, right. uh, uh, really great work. I think that's the best anyone has ever done of one of our games. I mean, I have been preparing my whole life for this, <laughs> this moment. Really, really incredible. Well, I think next up, we're just going to pass the offertory plate. And we would love to hear if you have anything um, that you would like to share with the class and any any places that we can find you or any any projects that you want to bring to our listeners' attention. Yeah, totally. So um, I can be found on the couple places on the internet. Um, my Twitter is where I talk the most, I think. So that's at Samantha C. King. The C is capitalized. The K and King is capitalized and the S is capitalized. And then um, if anyone's curious about like my work overall, I have a website, Sam dash King, not dash. What is it a dash? Hyphen? I no. think it's a dash underscore. No, just a line in the middle. That's a dash. Okay. Hyphen. Yeah. Hyphen or dash. M-king.net. And then uh, right now, I would absolutely love if everyone um, went to, everyone who has Disney Plus would go on Disney Plus and watch 
the ghost of Molly McGee, not the ghost of Molly <laughs> McGee, the ghost and Molly McGee. Molly is alive. Um, oh, no. It is a show I'm currently working on at Disney. We would love to get some great numbers on Disney Plus so we can make more. Um, it's a really fun show. Um, we we have a pretty diverse um, crew and get to show a lot of cultures in the show as well. Um, it's a blast. So it's I very good fun. And there's it's um musical episode. It's a musical. It's a musical. Uh, there's a song in love every it. episode. I I love I love working on that show and I want to continue working on it. So if, uh, if you got Disney Plus, go check out Molly McGee. And or you can watch it live as it airs. Watch it live as it airs, but the numbers that we want. Okay, just Disney kidding. Plus numbers. Don't do do both. Double exposure, have two screens going at once. Yeah, <laughs> you don't even have to watch it, just have it playing in the just background. Have, yeah, just have it looping. Uh, but yeah, that's that's I think all for me. All right. Um, Becca. Yes, you can you, you can find me on <laughs> on Instagram at the Becca Stevenson. Um, you can find me on TikTok and Twitter at the real underscore Becca. And that's it. I don't know what else I was thinking. You can add me on LinkedIn if you want. <laughs> I'm Becca Stevenson, Stevenson with a PH on LinkedIn. Yeah, hit me up. Um, and you can find me, Sid King, on Instagram at Sid period the period king. Um, you can follow me on Twitter if you're feeling frisky. There's there's not much going on there. Sometimes. I post things sometimes. Um, mostly, I just want people to recognize that my name is Little Seal Girl Living in the Real World. And I just want to give, as told by Ginger, the plug. Yes. Um, and you can follow us, The Good Girls Gone Sad, on TikTok at Good Girls Gone Sad, Instagram at Good Girls Gone Sad. And you can come see us in person at a live show. Oh, just follow us on Instagram. We'll tell you when yeah, our Follow us on are. Instagram, but we do... We do a bunch of live shows with um, comedians of all religious backgrounds and we play games like the one you just heard. So if you're having fun here, you're going to have even more fun in person. So come see us. And also if there's anything you want to say to us, like you suck or you rock, you can do that at our Gmail, goodgirlsgonesad at gmail.com. And you can also, you know, give us a rating and then put a little comment. You know how it works. Preferably good ones, um, because if you say something bad about us, I don't know about Sid, but I will think about it for the rest of my life. So just okay, know. Okay, so DM it to me, and I won't share with Becca, but I will be steely in my in my recognition that you don't like what we said. I've got every mean comment I've ever been told on repeat in my head when I go to sleep. So just think about that when you're leaving us your review. We're girl girls and we're sad. So keep in mind, we're, maybe, we're, just, we're just a little sad. Okay. Um that's it. I think we're done here. <laughs> yeah, this has been so much fun. I'm so glad I finally got to meet you, Sam. Thank yeah, it's so nice to meet you. Thank you so much for having me on and let me letting me unload my trauma. <laughs> Anytime. Really if you have more trauma, we can do a part two. You just let yeah. us know. <laughs> I, we, we have a dream one day of uh, having both of our big sisters on at the same time uh, for a little roundtable discussion. Oh, on being an older sibling and also mm-hmm. in a religious family. And also very successful. <laughs> we yeah, both we have, have, have a little thing about the both living in our sister's shadows a little bit. Her sister works at the Wall Street Journal. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. I um, was verified on Twitter. And I've heard that you could be if you wanted to, but you've chosen. I tried. And uh, I thought they offered it to you and you said no. They, um, no, it opened up for oh. me to do it. And I didn't want to do it for a long time. But then um, had a couple issues with people trying to pretend to be me on Twitter and that's when I was like oh can I have this yeah like uh, homophobes are trying to like mess with me and they're like no okay well wow if you're out there and you work at Twitter verify Samantha C. King
Hi, that's the new mission. <laughs> yes. Love okay, it. Well, thank you so much. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you to DJ Skip to my Luke who produced our amazing intro theme. You can follow him on Instagram at skip to my Luke underscore. Thank you.